This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Good morning, I'm Jim Lyon, and welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, we are only two weeks out from the Kentucky Derby, and friend of the show, Brian Nadeau, will join us today. And Brian, who was part of the Gulfstream Park broadcasting team, also is a keen handicapping eye. And who better today to talk about the upcoming Kentucky Derby than Brian at some of the top candidates he was able to get up close and personal to with their prep races at Gulfstream Park. Also today, Brian will share his thoughts about the big stakes card at Keeneland today. And finally, we will drill down and see who he's leaning towards when the horses finally make it to the starting gates for this year's One for the Roses on the first Saturday in May. In addition, today, former standard bred trainer Tony O'Sullivan joined us. And if you recall, a few weeks back, we said goodbye to Woodbine Mohawk Park's racing secretary, Scott McKelvey. And today we say hello to Scott's replacement, one Tony O'Sullivan. Obviously, Tony has some big shoes to fill replacing Scott. And shortly, we will meet Woodbine Mohawk Park's new racing secretary, Tony O'Sullivan, and find out more about this former horseman who is now the man that is responsible for putting the Woodbine Mohawk Park racing cars together on a nightly basis. Also on the show. How could we forget, but last Saturday was the opening of Woodbine's Thoroughbred Meet, a day that many had circled on their calendar for many, many months as opening day when it was supposed to be in April. And today we'll be joined by friend of the show, Chris Lohman, who's part of the busy Woodbine communications team. Chris will not only talk about the opening day of Woodbine, but also what we can look forward to from a communication standpoint as the 2022 Woodbine season moves forward. And finally, well, he's back. Co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine Mohawk Park and some other North American tracks that are racing today with their ponies picks today. Sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show, so you better get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go for some heavy-duty action today. When we come back, my co-host Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news. This is Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. 
Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Hey, welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Jim Lang, and let me introduce to you my co-host, the expert in all things ponies, Larry Simpson. Larry, how are you? I'm doing okay. How about you? Very good, very good. Before we get to some of the other stuff going on, we should take a moment and recap some of the winners from the Sovereign Awards. Uh, Mighty Heart, the horse of the year. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, so deserving, too. So deserving, and, uh, you know, he's actually uh, out today in the Ben Ali Stakes at uh, Keeneland, so we'll see how he... Uh, how he does in his first start of uh, 2022. I think the horse that, uh, I mean, captured the hearts of thousands of horse racing fans all around, Pink Lloyd, was the winner of the champion male sprinter. Well, who else could there be, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, this, is, this is the stat line for 2021. Five starts, three wins, two seconds, over 280,000. I mean, that's, that's just enormous. Yeah, now he's at long run retired. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what a week it was for jockey. Um, I just want to make sure I get it. Kazushi Kimura, he wins outstanding jockey and then wins three races on Sunday after 2021, where he had 140 wins, eight stake races wins, and over five million in earnings. Yeah, he had a, he came off a very good year, obviously by by winning the uh, the Sovereign, and it looks like. Uh, He's taken up where he left off. Now, he did ride during the wintertime mm. uh, in, uh, I believe, I think he was at Turfway and, and some of the other places, some of the other uh, uh, tracks in the U.S. But, uh, you know, so he, st- he kept himself uh, in shape, and uh, it looks like he's off to a, a good start. So, Well, yeah, the, th- the, th- the hat trick on Sunday. The hat trick, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, you know what, I think, Larry, more than anything, just the last word in the Sovereign Awards, it was great to see the horse racing industry back celebrating what they do and not done virtually but together. Yeah, I think it it meant a lot. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Because uh, I've been to a lot of the Sovereign Awards in the past, and, and they're, they're good events. And you see the best of the best uh, of Canadian racing there, and it was just you know good to see everybody back together under one roof and and uh, not social distancing you know to the extent that we had to by doing everything virtually. Yeah, right? yeah, so, no, it just felt like things are getting back to normal. And you know, like uh, the horse racing industry in this country, in this province, deserves to pat themselves on the back sometimes and say, hey, you know, we do great great things, and it's recognized. I mean, sometimes we forget how much and how respected Woodbine is around the world. Well, I made that point last week about uh, Fast Corey being trained by uh, Brad Cox mm. and, uh, you know, trainer of Mandaloon and, uh, you know, Fast Corey actually uh, did come out and uh, uh, raced well, but uh, he, he did get beat in the uh, particular stakes race or lounge race that he was in. But you're seeing other trainers and you know, other owners from the U.S. coming in here now because everybody knows about uh, Woodbine and they know that we have two turf courses. They know that we have a, a poly track, which never gets sloppy, mm-hmm. right? So, which means a big thing. And, and, you know, you think about it, if you ship a horse up from, say, Kentucky to race on a, on a dirt course and it rains. I know, exactly, right? Right, and it, the track's sloppy, Likewise, uh, you know, if you ship the horse up here and he races on a synthetic, it's never going to get sloppy. So uh, I think that's, you know, and, and the fact that we got the two turf courses, they both drain pretty well. 
So uh, I think people respect us and owners and trainers respect us for that. So, As we stand here today and we speak, Larry, we're two weeks away from the Kentucky Derby. It's, uh, it's just around the corner. There was a couple big derby preps last week and things are getting very intense as we're counting down the days now to the big race. Well, yeah, this we kind of spoke about this last week too. This the next couple of weeks, uh, you're you're board watching, and, and by board watching, I mean you're watching who's the top. Only twenty horses can get into the starting gate mm-hmm. for the Kentucky mm-hmm. Derby. So there's basically you got your twenty, and there's another three or four that are just a few points off. And so it's tough to say, but trainers are are looking for horses to be scratched for for one reason or the other, so that they can get moved up into the top twenty. So. I think it's, I mean, and this is something you've brought up a few times and we've had a number of guests as well uh, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is some of the other stuff going on off the track. But uh, let's face it, this is one of the more unpredictable, wide open Kentucky derbies that I can remember in a while. Yeah, and I think we've we've talked about this uh, in the various shows with some of our guests and that, that uh, it's it's very unpredictable because there's been such great, prep races and, oh. and and there's been some great performances and there's been some close finishes and and uh, the racing has just been super leading up to the the Kentucky Derby and and I think you know there really isn't one standout this year like there has been in pastures it's been a standout horse but you know you've got five or six or seven or eight horses out there that you can you know have a case for any of them winning the Kentucky Derby. And if they do win, it's not a surprise. No, exactly. And uh, where in the past, if, a, if the horse that you thought was going to get beat or win got beat, that would be a surprise. But nowadays, uh, this year, I think it's just been, uh, you know, there's been such a level playing field, I guess, with horses that they're, they're, they're coming out of everywhere and they've got a great shot. Well, always a pleasure to have friend of the show, Brian Nadeau, joining us. And he is a fountain of knowledge when it comes to handicapping. And last week he had a front row seat and was uh, checking out Lucky Peridot. It was a big race in Saturday's feature race at Gulfstream Park. As always, a pleasure. Brian, thank you for joining us on Ponies 24-7. Hey, Larry. Good to hear from you guys again. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it is a pleasure. Um, let's talk first about the recent Gulfstream Park Championship meet. And what were some of the highlights for you? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, life is good, and the Pegasus was huge, beating, you know, a horse of the year and defending champion and Nick's go and improving that, you know, he could run a distance of ground, so that was always exciting. And then each and every year, you know, to see the three-year-old, both the Colts and the Phillies, progress down the path, you know, to the to the Florida Derby and then the Gulfstream Park Oaks and then onwards to, to Louisville, so... Uh, certainly I think our, our horses stacked up pretty good this year. And obviously we've got a really nice undefeated Philly, uh, that, that's going to run in the Kentucky Oaks and Kathleen No for Chef McGahee. So yeah, there's a lot of excitement and, uh, it always culminates at the end of the championship meet. And certainly the Curlin Florida Derby this year didn't disappoint. Do you think that, uh, basically the Florida horses that, that raced at Gulfstream, say in the Holy Bull and the Florida Derby, the Fountain of Youth, and then the, the Phillies as well. How much of an impact do you think they're going to have in the Derby and the Oaks this year? You know, guys, I, I think they will have an impact. And I, and I don't say that uh, being a homer. You know, I, I know sometimes uh, the, the Gulfstream horses go to Louisville and don't make a, a dent in the Derby. Um, you know, obviously always dreaming parlay to a, a win in the Florida Derby and the, and the Kentucky Derby glory. Uh, but I, I think this group is pretty good, you know. 
certainly White Abario did everything right in the Florida Derby, and he makes his own trip, and he's still lightly raced, and he seems to be improving. Simplification had a little bit of a bum trip in that race. He worked this morning and just worked lights out, five furlongs and 59 and change. I guess he galloped out six and 11 and change. And then obviously uh, change it for Pletcher is, is lightly raced and uh, green as heck, but has a world of upside. And, and, and you know, the, he a lot of people thought he could have won the Florida Derby if he had kind of behaved a little better in deep stretch and run straight. He would have been right there if he didn't win, you know. So I, I, I really do believe these horses – have every right to make a dent this year in, in Louisville. And they all seem to be coming into the race the right way. And, um, you know, I, I like White Abario. His work last week was, was really, really sharp. And, and I think simplification is going to outrun his odds. Now, where that, where that puts him in the final pecking order, I, I don't know. But um, I, I feel strongly that both of those horses are going to represent themselves and Gulfstream Park very, very well on the first Saturday night. And Brian and White Abario, it's been a name that Larry and I have been talking about a lot over the last few weeks. And and I think Florida racing can hold its head high when it goes into that first Saturday in May. It's It's been a fantastic meet, great horses, a great grooming ground. And it's setting up for the horses, like you mentioned, Simplification and White Abario. They why not them? I mean, they have as much chance to win the Derby as anybody. Yeah, it's pretty wide open this year. There's no doubt about it. Um, and you know, you can pick apart everyone as much as you can uh, applaud everyone. And and I think White Barrio, especially, you know, yeah, he had a real dream trip in uh, the Florida Derby. But the same token, you know, he was sick the week prior. He hadn't run since the Holy Bull, um, and, and he wasn't, you know, didn't get a proper you know, foundation to get into the race. And he still did that that way. You know, Sappy was behind a couple of days and he had to blow him out before the race. And, and, uh, you, you know, you can't take anything away from him. Yes. He tripped out perfectly, but then you got to look at the other side of the coin too, and be fair about it and say, this wasn't the ideal, you know, way to come into the race. And he, he, he was, was, uh, spotting a little recency to some of these horses. So to me, I mean, I know his only loss was at Churchill Downs. I understand that, but um, he's just a better horse now. And to me, he's only going forward. I don't, I don't see him. I don't see him taking a step back from this race. Now, again, does that mean he's going to be good enough? Uh, I don't know to beat nineteen other three-year-olds, but I don't think he's going to lose because he, he's going to regress off the Florida Florida Derby. So, Brian, if you took the three prep races uh, for the Derby at Gulfstream. And then you took all the others, like the Bluegrass and the Wood Memorial and that. Which one would you say would be the most impressive performance? Well, I, I mean, you'd have to look at the Risen Star at Fairgrounds. I don't think there's any doubt about that. It, 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 was, it was from top to bottom the strongest race because, you know, obviously Epicenter and, and, and uh, Zandon was, were in there and, and uh, Run Happy. So, you know, that, that's definitely a strong race. But to be fair, the, the, the fairgrounds route hasn't really been worked out that, that well recently. And those horses haven't made a huge dent in the Derby. Zandon was very, very impressive closing from last in the bluegrass. But, you know, he also didn't have a straw in his path. I thought, I thought Mo Donegal's wood was really, really good. He ran down a loose horse and a good horse in early voting. 
and, and I think Mo Donegal is the type of horse that 10 furlongs is going to hit him between the eyes. So I don't necessarily know if the Wood Memorial was the best prep, guys, but I thought that was that was the best performance. And, you know, again, back to White Barrio, that was a powerhouse performance in the Florida Derby. And, and, and don't sleep on simplification because uh, he did not have an ideal go of it in the Florida Derby. He was between horses the entire way. I know Antonio Sano didn't expect Flash want him to be that close early. And then he got bogged down inside in the stretch. And I'm not going to call it a dead rail on Florida Derby Day. I don't think it was the place to be either. So for him to run third, I thought he acquitted himself very, very nicely. And we know he's versatile as heck. You know, they, they found that out in the Holy Bowl when he blew the start. He can come from behind and he did it in the Fountain of Youth. And, and uh, I think that bodes well for him in, in Louisville. And he's got a lot of foundation and experience, too. And, you know, you talk about some of these horses, Taiba and, and, and even Change It. You know, they don't have that. You're going to get you're going to get thrown a lot of junk at in the <laughs> Derby, you know, with 20 horses and uh, a lot of curveballs and stuff. And, and how you handle that is a big factor. And can, can you win that race? You know, it's a, it's a unique set of circumstances. Tis the bomb at 20 to one, uh, cyber knife, 16 to one. Uh, I mean, there's the odds, as you mentioned, cause so many horses all over the map, but is there any dark horses that we should keep an eye on that might sneak up and win you some money? Again, not being a homer, but my dark horse would be simplification mm-hmm. um, to try to give you another horse um, that would be, you know, outside. I, I thought the Lexington winner for Brad Cox last week it was sneaky good. Uh, boy, the name escapes me. That's terrible. But um, I thought he was sneaky good in a race. Again, that's a short finish line. D- Tony Port, I believe. Oh, uh, Tony Port. Yeah, 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 yeah. Race. yeah. Yeah, and he proved he could run on dirt, and and, uh, that's a short finish line race. That's not ideal for his running style, but he still got up. Um, He would be like a a bomb kind of sleeper, um, maybe, you know, in the bottom of your exotics. Again, Mm. you know, guys, as you know, post position and uh, all that kind of thing. We've still got probably the heavy lifting with the last work to kind of really tip their hand a little bit. And uh, then we go from there. But, I, you know, me personally, it's not a race. I want to take four or five to one on that's for sure. <laughs> Larry? Okay, just for our, our listeners' sake, maybe we can kind of explain to them that Gulfstream isn't closed now just because the championship meet <laughs> is finished, right? Uh, you're still that racing. You're still racing. Talk about, uh, is it, obviously it's a little bit quieter now than it was during the winter or? Yeah, I mean, we've got the Royal Palm Meet going on now. We race Thursday through Sunday, and, uh, you know, the pools are still huge. We we, we raced uh, with $611,000 in the early pick five the other day, so the pools are still are big, and uh, we've got a really strong 11-race car tomorrow being Saturday. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're the outfits are still here. You know, obviously, you're going to still see the Pletchers and the Cassies of the world running horses, Sappy Joseph Jr., obviously, Antonio Sano, simplifications trainer. So, yeah, you know, the gang's still all here, and uh, it's not the championship meet. That, that's, you know, certain, but uh, they still uh, love Gulfstream Park, and the handle's done well, and the pools are, are very, very big. So, uh, yeah, we're still here, and we're loving it. Who do you like this week in the Gulfstream that we should keep an eye on? So I'll give you two horses tomorrow, and um, I'll give you a short one, and I'll give you a long one. So tomorrow in race seven, my best bet of the day is the seven. That's Devoted Kitten. Had a little bit of a trip last time, 
and should trip out uh, in this spot, three to one on the morning line. And then my price is in race nine, the six risk manager getting back to the turf, 12 on the morning line, and should offer a lot of value in a really, really good turf race. Obviously, we're at the mercy of the weather in South Florida, uh, but we've got a bang-up turf race uh, there, and, and uh, there's a good one on Friday as well. So we're starting to see some two-year-olds, too, so that's always exciting. You know, we're always looking ahead in this game as hope springs eternal. So, yeah, we were excited for the weekend and obviously going forward. Keeneland has a big car to racing today. Uh, you like anything there in the L corner, the Ben Ellie? Yeah, I like the horse on the rail for Mike Maker. Um, I, I thought he's tactical. There's oddly enough a lot of speed at Yelkhorn. So um, I, I like him down inside in there. I think he's five on the morning line. Um, I think he's going to run well. And Mike Maker is so good at those long-distance marathons. Bema's boy. There we go. Bema's boy. So that would be my little nugget uh, at Keeneland. And I, I'll, I'll say my long shots at Gulfstream have been uh, very, very good. So hopefully we can keep that. Keep it on a good thing. Dirty bankroll money, you know? Yeah, well, and smooth thumbing through like that on the fly. Very impressive, Brian. Brian, as always, a real pleasure. Thanks for your insight. We greatly appreciate it. Enjoy a great weekend of racing a golf stream. Guys, always a pleasure. Take care and uh, best of luck. Let's see it again soon. Will do. When we come back, a new friend of the show, Woodbine Mohawks Park Racing Secondary, Tony O'Sullivan, will join us on Ponies 24 7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Costa, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. Costa, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the Costa website at costaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bread, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, Woodbine Mohawk Park's new racing secondary, Tony O'Sullivan joins us today on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. If you recall, at the beginning of April, Scott McKelvey joined us on the show. He just retired from his multi-decade position as racing secretary. Well, today we welcome his replacement, the new kid on the block, so to speak. Tony O'Sullivan, welcome to the show, and congratulations on your new role. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. 
It's a pleasure. Um, I guess let's go through the process. When did you find out you were replacing Scott and taking over? It was kind of a, a short acting uh, process, really. Basically, around September, I found out I had uh, decided to close up my racing stable and was looking for something else. And the race secretary job came up, and one thing led to another. And uh, uh, yeah, around uh, early September was when I found out that I was going to be taking over. Hmm. Larry, you said you you closed up your your racing stable. Is that a tough decision? Like what what were you, you were training? Correct. Yeah, I, I trained uh, for over twenty five years. And I just, the last couple of years, I'd kind of thought about doing something else. And, you know, I wanted to stay in the racing business. I've been in it my whole life. My father was in it. And uh, this seemed like a little, you know, a natural progression. Um, but it, it was very tough to, to close down a, a business that had been uh, fruitful for me. Now, uh, you have quite a background in racing, quite a journey to get there. I mean, you go back to overseas, you're in Canada, now you're at this stage. I mean, along the way, did you have a path or are you kind of letting the harness racing industry and horse racing industry take you along to where you are right now? Yeah, um, that's that's a good way to put it. I, I uh, haven't really had a path. My father was a radio host and a race announcer. So that, that's how I got exposed to racing. And basically when I left school, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I got a job with a stable in my hometown in New Zealand. And one thing led to another. And then I went over to uh, New Jersey in April of 1996. And I've just progressed from there. I, I landed in Canada through my job in the States and decided to stay and, and then started my own business in 2005. And yeah, it's... Uh, just a kind of a natural progression and I've just let it happen the way it's happened. Moving from a, being a trainer now to being a racing secretary, that's not normally a natural progression though, is it? It's, uh, has it been like a seamless transition for you or has there been some hiccups on the way or? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think the, it's, it's, it's not a natural progression. I mean, usually people don't come from the training side and get into the administrative managerial side. Uh, it's something that's always interested me. I've always thought that that may be where I end up. I didn't know the exact position, but it was something that I, I thought about a lot. I think my background in training and, and racing every type of class of horse possible uh, helps with the transition. I don't think anybody could walk in and do it. Uh, having said that, there's obviously like any job and, and any new career path, there's a lot to learn, and, and it certainly isn't, isn't easy but having said all that, Tony, I, coming at it from a different perspective, maybe that's a good thing for harness racing in Ontario because you do come at it from a different perspective and you have a different view of it. Yeah, I, I agree on that as well. Um, obviously, Scott and the rest of the crew have done an amazing job for a long time here. I, I've had a great relationship with Scott uh, when I was on the training side. But the the landscape has changed and, and the horse population and and uh, the demographic of, of clients and trainers has is, uh, is definitely changed. So, yeah, maybe a different perspective and, and looking at it through a, a horseman's eye, so to speak, may be beneficial for sure. When you were training in New Zealand, uh, Tony, what did you know about woodbine and what was it that attracted you to come here? So I knew nothing about woodbine, to be <laughs> perfectly honest. I knew about the Meadowlands. Okay. Um and and the way I, I knew that was basically through the the advertisements for the stallions that would come over in the late 
80s, mid-90s, and, and you'd watch replays of those horses, you know, as their advertisement for, for their stud career. And uh, there was a few New Zealand, quite a few New Zealanders that have come over and, and gone to the States. And I kind of just, um, well, I called my parents and told them I was going to New Jersey, and I left four days later. So um, it was just kind of a spur of the moment, let's try it, see what happens. And then once I got over here, I obviously got familiar with Mohawk, uh, and I came up to Canada in the summer of 1999 with a, a string of six or seven horses for Ross Krogan, who I was working for, for the major stakes. And uh, and then I stayed, and obviously, you know, that was boom time up here in the early 2000s. How hard was it to find some good lamb and a nice pint of beer in New Jersey when you first arrived? Yeah, it was it, it was it was different. It was a, a different. Uh, you know, different environment and everything's different. I mean, New Zealand is a, a beautiful place and we, you know, we have pretty good beer and, and whatever. So it was a, it was a challenge, but it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you've got the, the big job here now, you've, uh, I guess you're looking forward to the upcoming uh, stake season, right? The North America Cup and the Mohawk Million. Yeah, it, it's getting into an exciting time of year and, and uh, certainly going to be amazing to be, a part of it and at the forefront of it, um, and it's it's going to be busy. But when the good horses are out, and you know that's what gets your blood flowing is good horses racing and going fast, and you run on adrenaline a little bit. I certainly did when I was training and raced in those races. So I, I would imagine it will be the same uh, putting the races together as the race secretary. As you look ahead to the calendar year remaining, do you have specific goals in mind for what you expect out of yourself and for Woodbine Mohawk Park this year? Yeah, I mean, I you know I I took this job on um, as a challenge um, that, that factored into my not training anymore. I just um, you know I didn't feel the challenge as much as I had, and it wasn't certainly wasn't because I couldn't grow anymore. It was just I had been fortunate enough to do well, and um, I wanted a new challenge, and this is certainly a challenge. So my aim overall really is to try and and get more horses racing at Mohawk and Woodbine, and try and cater to the uh, the middle of the road horses and and hopefully encourage the money you know to get spread around more and more people can make money which is it's imperative for the survival of any business that uh, doesn't become top heavy and everything gets spread around. Is it a chicken and the egg thing, Tony, or is is it the business will be get more horses or do you need more horses to get more business? Well, I think it's a little bit of both to be honest. I mean, in order to buy horses, you need money, right? And and in order to make money, you need horses. So, yeah, it, it probably, uh, it certainly is a trade-off on both. I, I think here, you know, expense uh, it is an issue, and, and that's a, I mean, that's not just the racing business. That's the whole world. The world's become expensive, as you guys know. And mm-hmm. you know, horses are, they're not, uh, they're not cheap to keep, and it doesn't matter what caliber they are. They all need care, and and they all cost money. So, I, I think a good start is trying to get the money spread around and hopefully it has a, a trickle down effect that, you know, if people buy one or two more yearlings or people that usually wouldn't buy, buy one. And over the course of the next few years, maybe the, the horse supply doesn't build back up, but maybe more of them stay in the province. So you've been at your job, <clears throat> excuse me, almost a, a month. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you still have the need to maybe uh, reach out to Scott for some advice every once in a while or? Yeah, I, um, you know, we talk. He's actually came in today to say hi. And um, the last two weeks, we've the, the horse numbers have been quite low, and, and that creates a challenge to put on enough races 
uh, you know, to satisfy Whitbine and the gamblers and also competitive races. So um, Scott's always a phone call away. And like I said earlier, I mean, I, I have a great relationship with him and I have nothing but respect for him. Um, and I, I think the feeling is mutual. So there'll always be that, that open line. And I wouldn't be surprised if come stake season, he comes in and gives us a hand and, and you know, just lends his expertise. For someone with your kind of background and depth of knowledge and experience, Tony, when's the last time you've seen someone like James McDonald on the run that he's on this year? Yeah, James is certainly on a on a run. I mean, he's dominating. Um, I, you know, I've used a lot of the drivers. I used James exclusively early on in his career for for a season, and and I, you know, everybody knows he always had the talent. Um, and now that he's tasted the success and and you know really getting his confidence up, I mean, the way he's driving on the track is uh, it's definitely an edge, and he's he's definitely on top of his game. So um, the other guys, they're going to have to watch themselves and step up, I would say, because James is, James is on a roll. Well, I think uh, we can attribute part of James' success to having him on the show because... <laughs> <laughs> we, we like to say that, Tony. The, the Saturday morning we had him on the show, he he went out that night and won four races, and he's been on a hot streak ever since. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to yeah, say that uh, we're taking good. credit. They're good mojo as well. <laughs> well, Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on your new role. I think Woodbine Mohawk Park is in good hands with someone of your mindset and a steady hand at the helm. Have a great spring and summer, and uh, we'll do this again soon someday. I will, guys, and thanks, and that would be great to be on again. Cheers. After the break, when we come back, Chris Lohman will join us once again on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com slash horse dash ownership today. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. Live harness racing continues at the Meadowlands Racetrack every Friday and Saturday evening with a post time of 6.20 p.m. The Big Gams Championship meet is highlighted by the Meadowlands Pace on July 16th, and on August 6th, it's the famed $1 million Hamiltonian, headlining an exceptional day of stakes events with a special post time of 12 noon. Watch and wager on all of the Big M's exciting harness racing action through your HBI bet account and Dark Horse app and be part of the Meadowlands Racing Experience. Visit PlayMeadowlands.com for racing details. COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at cosaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. This is 105.9 The Region. 
Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. All righty then, welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Friend of the show, friend to all, Chris Lohman, part of Woodbine's amazing, hardworking communication team, joins us today. And Chris, like many, welcome Woodbine's opening day last Saturday, including Dreaming of Drew winning the Lawn Branch Stakes. Chris is always welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, with horse racing back at Woodbine, how sweet it is. It is wonderful, and it was it was a perfect day. You couldn't have asked for any better day. Uh, just all the people that were there, the place was packed. Uh, plenty of people watching that uh, first race and the stakes race itself. You couldn't have written a better script if you tried. It was uh, Dreaming of Drew coming off an 18-month layoff and a stretch duel all the way to the wire. Absolutely perfect. I have to say, I mean, the, even the days leading up to it, there was such a buzz around the city, around the horse racing world, around social media, then the Sovereign Awards, and then you have opening day. I mean, it was a great week for Woodbine. It really was. And if we ever needed a reminder, I don't think anybody that's associated with Woodbine ever takes the world-class product we have for granted. But I was speaking with an owner from LMJ Foxwoods who have outstanding horses that race across North America including Woodbine, and ended up having a conversation a few days before opening day. And she just told me, you know, I, I hope you understand how, how much people love Woodbine and how well-regarded it is around the world, to your point. And uh, she said not just uh, the track itself, but the quality of the racing, the people that are running the show. Uh, she said it really is a special place, and, and you got that sense on that opening day. Well, on that note, Chris, we mentioned, or at least I mentioned last week about the fact that Brad Cox, trainer of Mandaloon, had a horse in Fast Corey, and there's been several other uh, U.S. trainers that are basically uh, throwing up their shingle to, to race here, right? That's, yeah, that's a great point, and, and that, again, shows you how well-regarded Woodbine is, that these big-name, high-profile trainers and these good horses are coming up here uh, to compete uh, you know, on, on a world-class uh, racetrack. And you're seeing that more and more each year. So, again, that just speaks to, to Woodbine's reputation. Chris, one last word on the opening weekend. What an opening weekend for Kazushi Kimura, including the hat trick on Sunday. <laughs> that was impressive. It, it, it was, and certainly not surprising. And there's no jinx after winning that uh, <laughs> that sovereign award. So to see him pick up where he left off, a, a really good human being too. And uh, he's obviously one of the most talented riders. But it's it's a very deep riding colony at, at Woodbine, and there's a lot of great riders. So it should be you know another interesting year to see who comes out on top. Talk about your role with the Woodbine Communications Department, Chris. Obviously, it gets a lot busier now, doesn't it? It really does. And, you know, the good thing is it kind of, you, you get into that little bit of, if you want to call it practice mode in the in the weeks leading up. Uh, so you, you start to come up with your storyline. You start to, you know, get that excitement going. And yeah, it, uh, it really is game on once it, once it starts. So we're writing, you know, uh, we have our features uh, that we do and uh, for both breeds. And then we have our previews of the stakes races and our recaps. So, it's nice because it's in some ways routine-based, but it's good that you get the variety of, you know, seeing those storylines develop in front of your eyes and, and kind of reacting from there. 
And now that you're back, Chris, I, I imagine you and your your team looking ahead as it progresses into May, you know, taking a look at what's happening at the Kentucky Derby. And as we get closer to Victoria Day, things get really, really busy in our neck of the woods in Woodbine when it comes to thoroughbred racing. Yeah, and you know what's nice? It's just everything seems to be just with that nice bow wrapped around it. The weather gets nicer. You know, uh, that turf course will eventually open the two turf courses. And, uh, I mean, it's if. You know, if it's any barometer of what happened on opening day, that feeling and that electricity that you saw, then, you know, I think we're in for a really, really, really memorable season. Other than walking, talking to boneheads like Larry and I, I mean, (laughs) tell the listeners, what does a typical day for someone like you in the communications department look like? So it's a lot of... uh, homework, which I was never good at, but uh, <laughs> I think I've gotten better in, in real life outside of school. So, you know, you're just looking uh, really to keep on the pulse of everything. So, you know, trainers, horses that are on the maybe the Queen's Plate Trail, uh, you know, you start getting that sense even now, even though the race is still months away. So it's really just about doing your homework, looking at the entry, seeing what horses are out there, if there's a, a mighty heart, uh, if there's, you know, some some horses that we're really familiar with. And then we, you know, it's simple conversations sometimes with trainers or grooms or the jockeys, and then you end up getting really good feature ideas from them. So it's just a little bit of, you know, mining for that. And then the other stuff like the, the previews and the recaps, uh, you know, you pick a, pick a horse that's in there and then, you know, write it up and then hope you don't jinx uh, all the connections. Like you wrote a couple of days ago about boardroom. That was like a neat little write-up. Yeah, that's something I wanted to do this year was to uh, to do these, it's called These Three Things, and some of the more uh, notable horses, and even ones that we might not know of uh, yet, you know, that might not be as well-known. I want to write three things about their personalities. You know, what are they like away from the racetrack? Maybe what they are like once they get to the racetrack, but I want to bring something different and get some unique voices uh, to share what these uh, what these athletes are all about. You've been in the business for quite some time now, correct? Thanks, Larry. Yes, I have. <laughs> Jeez, Larry. <laughs> well, no, I was Come just... On, uh... Larry. You know better than that. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, I have. I have. Yeah. What was it that got you so interested in horse racing, and in particular Woodbine? Well, at Woodbine, it was just, again, that just that world-class. I could, I could sit in the grandstand all day and just watch when I was young, if I'd go with my dad or my my grandfather, uh, just, just sitting there and, and seeing the horses and then, you know, going down outside the walking ring and, and seeing the, the jockeys get a leg up and those bright colors. And then the horses might look at you. And it, it just, it's just something that hooked me early on. Um, maybe I don't even know the exact reason, but I just knew that when I went for the first time, especially at Woodbine, that walk up every day to, to go into the racetrack, was special and still is, and I was reminded of that on, on opening day. In today's world, Chris, we've got so much people writing everything in 140 characters and little snippets. How much do you enjoy actually telling stories and being a storyteller about the sport, about the people involved in the sport, and educating us in, in the process? Yeah, that's that's one of my greatest joys, is to be able to do that. I, I look at myself as just being the, the passenger. They get to to drive that story. And I just, I I feel very privileged to be able to share all those stories because, you know, we know hockey players, we know other sports, football, but baseball, but people should know these stories because there are so many wonderful stories to tell about 
just how hardworking and passionate these people are about their job and the horses and how much love and care they you know, put into these horses. Getting back to the amount of time you've spent in the business, <laughs> <Let's>, uh, <laughs> if, is there one race that you either covered or as a fan that you watched that still resonates in your mind? You know, this is going to be very strange, but I remember one of the first times that I kind of fell in love with a horse. It was a horse called Rainbows for Life, and it was a really sloppy day on the track. It was just raining, and there was that woodbine. And I just saw this horse, and there was something about this horse that really, you know, kind of struck a nerve with me. And I ended up betting the horse, and it wasn't the favorite. And I think Brian Swadek was was riding and I just remember that horse coming for home and opened up and just flying over that mud and winning. And it was right in front of me. I went down to watch it and I thought, this is just, this couldn't be any better. Not only that I like really love this sport, but I also cashed a little bit too. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, these days I'm a real, I'm a real sucker for anything on the, on the turf courses. That I think our, Turf courses are are the best in the world, and I'd, if you ever want to bring somebody out and make them a fan, bring them out, bring them down, let them watch a race on the on the EP Taylor, and you'll have a fan for life. You have so many stakes races coming up, including the Woodbine Oaks uh, presented by Budweiser. That's a half a million dollars July July twenty fourth. Before we even get to the Queen's Plate, so how do you start building your spring summer, uh, getting ready for the Oaks, then getting ready for the Queen's Plate, or is your homework for the Queen's Plate already begun? Great question. It's 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 already begun, uh, and it's funny how you think. Okay, it's X amount of weeks or months away, you know. So not that you don't have to worry about it, but it's there. But there's other things to focus on. But then you start seeing the names of the horses that are on the list that could be a potential starter in the Oaks or the Plate. So you know, it's funny you mention that because you know today I was looking who's out. You know, and there hasn't been anybody in particular, but you start looking at the entries to say, okay, who's who's out there? Who could be on the plate to the Oaks, uh, you know, pass to the Oaks or the plate? And you really, it's it's game on right now. It's like the playoffs, really, right? Uh, you've got these horses competing, and they want to get to that status, that stature, that talent, that they can make it to the Queen's Plate or to the uh, to the Oaks. Well, that's exactly it, right? You, you, it's so you can see the enthusiasm and excitement. You know, the the trainers are obviously a little cautious, and they always almost do those playoff cliches, like, "Well, we got to take it one race at a time." But you can sense that kind of excitement growing, and you see these horses that were, you know, had a solid two-year-old year that are now coming back. Can they make that jump? So, to your point, it is like the playoffs right now. You know, when you have the races that are. Some of the prep races, uh, the Woodstock, the Starshoot coming up, um, you, you, you're going to see perhaps some of these horses that are on the road to the, you know, Plater Oaks uh, running. So it's really something to keep an eye on. You know, we, we spoke to Imogene Wilson recently, uh, Chris, and it was amazing that mindset that training herself and preparing herself on and off the horse to just to build up to get a chance to ride in the Queen's Plate. You forget the, how much intensity and the, the competitive juices for the jockeys to be part of it as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's their, it's their Stanley Cup. You know, that's, you know, they all want to win. You ask any jockey there, that's the race they want to win. And, you know, they've got 
you know, it gets into that really kind of interesting phase where somebody like Emma Jane could have two or three options leading up to the plate. So where does she put, you know, her stock and is she going to go with A, B, or C? So there's all these kind of different components to it. It's this really neat kind of puzzle that eventually gets, you know, finds a way to piece together. But to your point, they, uh, yeah, the jockeys, you can tell if I, you know, you mention it to them now, they'll, they'll, they'll know what's going on and they, they, they know they're going to have some decisions to make or they're going to be, hope that their horse is there. So for yourself, Chris, what are you most looking forward to uh, with the Woodbine Thoroughbred meet this year? I would go back to the turf racing. Yeah. I just think it's absolutely outstanding. Um, and the one thing that I've always liked is, is it just something that we're proud of or that we talked about? Well, I can tell you that I talked to trainers from the U.S., Europe, and unprompted, nine times out of ten, they will talk about Woodbine's you know, turf courses will say the E.P. Taylor for, hmm, that yeah. sees a lot of the jockeys too. graded races on there. Yeah, the jockeys yeah. too. Yeah, That's... it's it's just absolutely beautiful. And when they come around that turn, and you know that there's a long way to go, you see all the kind of tactics now in place. You know, and trying to find room to move out and everything. Uh, I don't think I've ever watched a race on there that's been boring. Awesome. Chris, as always, we could talk to you all day. We always enjoy your insight, despite Larry's meanness to you. We're going to have to talk to HR about that. But uh, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. After the break, geez, Larry, come on. We like Chris. Larry Simpson <laughs> looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodby Mohawk Park, the Meadowlands, and, of course, some racing action at several other North American tracks today. So make sure that your HBI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stick with us for Larry's always much-anticipated Ponies Picks the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to ontarioracing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering platform and the Dark Horse app, the best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca slash ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. 
Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Jim Lang and Larry Simpson. Okay, before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems as Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. And just after his picks, Larry has an interesting story to tell you about the late great Guy Lafleur and his connection to horse racing. But first, Larry, take it away with your picks. Thanks, Jim. Let's start at uh, Woodbine. Mm, let's. It's, uh, it's a nice thing to Is say. It ever. Let's start at Woodbine. They have a nine-race card today with a post time of uh, one ten. PM. Uh, race two is a maiden optional claiming event for three-year-old fillies. Five and a half furlongs on the tapita surface for a purse of $48,300. Uh, in my current issue of Ponies 24-7, my Racer's Edge handicapping column focused on the signs of improving and declining race form. And the number five horse, Black Taffy, is a good example of a sign of an improving form namely a horse that has been entered right back as Black Taffy actually raced last Saturday on opening day at oh. Woodbine, finishing eighth, beaten eight lengths. Now you think, well, that's not great. The horse finished eighth, beaten eight lengths. Well, in that race, Black Taffy had the rail and was stuck down on the, on the inside most of the day, most of the race, I should say, looked to be making some headway as they turned into the stretch when she got blocked and then checked. Hmm. So, uh, that was basically uh, Black Taffy's second lifetime start. She came into last week with some nice works, but what is also important is that Black Taffy drops in class today, and she was bet down to 7-1 to last week in a class higher. So somebody liked her, I guess. And the fact that she's backing very quickly is a very good sign and one of the top signs of uh, good form that uh, you can read about in the Ponies 24-7. So... Uh, Black Taffy looks like she's feeling good. Breaking from post five, that should certainly help today. And so let's go with Woodbine race two, number five, Black Taffy. Nice. Next. Well, Keeneland uh, race five, allowance race, is uh, one mile on the turf for fillies and mares for a purse of $110,000. Number three, Seasons, has been moved to friend of the show, Josie Carroll's barn. And Josie looks to have found a great spot with this uh girl today. She, she is stakes, already stakes raced and stakes placed on the turf, has been training very well for this race and should like the class drop. Like she was in the tall mistakes and, mm -hmm. and some mm -hmm. of the, the bigger turf races and that. Josie has high numbers with new horses in, coming to her barn and Tyler Gafflione, the jockey, is riding like lights out with uh, Keeneland, uh, winning with like 25% of his mounts right now. Like that's, that's, that's high. So, uh, Let's go with Keeneland, race five, number three, Seasons. Excellent. And then? Well, the Meadowlands has a 13 race card tonight, and race seven is a one-mile pace for a purse of $15,500. Number one, Hale Christian N, is a horse that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware of because raced at Woodbine Mohawk Park all of last year. Looks like he's found a cozy spot tonight to grab his third win of 2022. Uh, Hale Christian takes a significant drop in class tonight, and this combined with the rail pose should really help his chances, I think. Uh, looking at tonight's Meadowlands program, Hale Christian's last two races have come from the 10 and the 9 post positions. However, if you go back three races, Hale Christian N1 in a class higher from post 2. So he's 8-1 on the board, morning line, 
And I thought, hopefully, I think we get something close to that, but I think people may be able to read the program and see that last time he was inside, he won. So uh, let's hope that we get something close to that for post-time odds. So the Meadowlands, race seven, number one, Hail Christian N. And then? Well, Woodbine Mohawk Park has a 10-race card, and race six is a one-mile pace for Ontario-sired three-year-old fillies, or purse of uh, $17,000. Number two, better double flip. Try saying that a few times. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> was a was a wire-to-wire winner last week, and a numb winner's a two-race. And actually, turning into the stretch, she was five on top and coasted home to win by one and three-quarter lengths for friend of the show, James McDonald. Oh, yeah. so now that guy is hot. But now, isn't that a surprise, eh? Oh. So uh, this... Philly actually tried the Ontario Sire Stakes last year, and she had a fifth place in one, and then she was a vet scratch. So this year she won her qualifier, and then, as mentioned, won last week, kind of eased up, I think. And I think that, uh, you know, James McDonald will have some options with her today. So you might leave, maybe sit a hole, whatever. But I think the, the fact that uh, she looks like, and we've talked about this in the past, and that Horses, when they're two-year-olds, sometimes they're just not ready to race, or they race a couple of times, and then you turn them out. And when they turn three, the light goes on, and they get down to their business. And I think that's where you see the biggest improvement Hmm. in horses, going from two to three. And I think this is what you have here tonight. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race number six. Number two, better double flip. Good one. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, Guy Lafleur, one of the most beloved and revered hockey superstars, one of the great players in the history of the game, sadly passed away, lost a battle to cancer Friday morning. But you have a story for the listeners about Guy Lafleur and his connection to horse racing. Well, Guy liked uh, the horses, and at the time I was working for the Canadian Trotting Association back in the day, and they were the, you could say, the governing body for mm. all the racetracks in Canada. And there was a lot of tracks around then that aren't around now, and one of them was Hippodrome de Quebec. And they used to uh, use Guy for a lot of promotion, uh, you know, for the races that were coming up to the track, and... Uh, he he loved it. He um, I don't think he ever really got involved as an owner. I, there was talk that he was thinking of doing that, but uh, uh, I you know I, I remember that uh, vividly that he used to uh, you know be there. And a couple of times he was there with uh, John Ferguson, uh, another ex hockey player, and who, who went on to become president of Assiniboy Downs in in uh, Winnipeg and that, but. It uh, was funny, but I had an opportunity to tour with the old-timers back in 2004, 2005, and I was kind of their honorary coach. And uh, Guy and I, we struck up a conversation because uh, I was working for a company called Horsepower, and that the light kind of went on with him, and he said, oh, horses, like racehorses. And I said, yeah, so we had a big conversation in the dressing room about, you know, how he liked the horses and, you know, how he, uh, you know, uh, always wanted to get involved with them, but he never really had the opportunity in that. So, uh, but he was a big fan of the sport. So, and by all accounts, an absolute gentleman to all who ever met him or got to know him. He'll sadly be missed. As always, thank you for joining us for this edition of Ponies Twenty Four Seven, the Radio Magazine. A reminder: if you'd like to receive a digital copy, a free digital copy of an issue of Ponies Twenty Four Seven Magazine, email Larry Simpson at the Ponies Twenty Four Seven Experience at gmail.com. Don't forget about the lymphoma or the Ponies Twenty. 
24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign, Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma. For more information on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca slash pony. says, even though the silent auction is over, you can still donate to the cause, and it's a great cause indeed. Stick around with 105.9 The Region all week along. Up next, the Feed York Region's only magazine show with the legend Ann Romer is going to be standing by. I'll be back here Monday morning. Enjoy the races. Gila Fleur will always remember you. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Jim Lang and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more on the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.